Praise the Lord. I loved when we were saying that when, when you find yourself at the end, you know, that was the disciples in the story today. They were at the end. That's where Jesus starts, right? So go ahead and be seated if you can. Thank you, worship team, for leading us. Choir today, beautiful, beautiful. We're going to come back and sing that in a little bit here. Well, grab your Bibles, if you would, uh, with me and open to the book of... Should just open right to the book of John, right? Who would have guessed that today? So open to John, uh, and, I, and I know it was mentioned, but we start, uh, in fact, I'll call it, it's our third reset. We start again tomorrow reading John chapter 1 and John chapter 2. So I encourage you, follow along in your reading, be a part. Uh, it's great reading those uh, chapters and, and listening to all that. Very, very powerful. And then make sure, guys, when you leave today, we don't want any of these left around. These men's uh, gathering, take them, invite them, tell them it's the real in and out right? It's not a fake little logo on there. Uh, invite them. It'll be a great night this uh, coming Friday night. So oh, we're in John, um, and I want to look at John chapter 4. I wanted to go to John chapter 4. In fact, my uh, title today is True Worshippers. That's actually Jesus' title. In fact, we're going to read that in just a minute. Because he's the one that throws out the words, true worshipers. Look at your neighbor and ask him, are you a true worshiper? Right? Are you a true worshiper? Um, John chapter 4. This is the story of the woman at the well. And yet we've read this before because sometimes as we read this, it's almost like there's a few conversations going on in the midst of the conversation. And though the, the gist of the conversation is the living water... Which, in fact, I had wrote it this morning down even in my notes. Um, worship is part of a connection of the living water. Worship is part of the connection of living water. So I'm going to pick this up in verse 11, go to verse 26. And it says this. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with. This is where Jesus asked for something to drink. And the well is deep. Where then will you get the living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. Here's where the story switches a little bit, verse 16. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband to come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, You have well said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband in that you spoke truly. You've had five husbands and you're shacking up with a guy right now. Boy, that's a pretty, you should don't see Jesus saying those things, do you? Now she's going to change the subject, right? right? But it's a testimony because that's what she tells everybody later on, right? That he told me everything I ever did, right? But look, notice where the conversation switches. The woman said to her, Sir, I believe that you are a prophet. 
Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. And you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. Now listen to verse 23. But the hour is coming and now is. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. Let me read that one verse again. But the hour is coming and I like what he says now is. Now is when the true worshipers will worship. Who do they worship? The Father, right? In spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is a spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Well, Lord, we thank you even today as we worship you that you would be pleased. It's not our ears that need to be pleased. It's that you would receive our worship today. The Father, you are seeking those to worship you. And we bless you this day. Teach us by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Well, I'm going to jump real quick back into the Old Testament and look at a few ways uh, of worship. You know, the Old Testament gives us expressions uh, that we worship And then we'll jump into, because here's what Jesus talks about. We're to worship in spirit and in truth, right? In spirit and in truth. Worship never begins with music. Begins with God, right? Oh, I was waiting for 10 o'clock for worship to start. No, God's all, he's already right here. Worship doesn't start with music. It starts with him. He is the focus of our worship. If I don't have any music... I'm still to worship him, right? I can't find my guitar. I guess I can't worship. No, no, no. Then worship with your voice. Oh, he doesn't want to hear that in the morning. Yeah, he does, right? (laughs) He does. Well, in the Old Testament, in fact, I want to look at one verse because I think it, I always do this. I always go back in Genesis. If you want to see how God had things set up, you go back to the book of Genesis. So Genesis chapter 3, verse 5. This is the serpent saying these words to Eve. And and he says this to her. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, talking about eating the fruit, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. Your eyes will be like open. Here's what I think he was also saying. Don't focus on God. Focus on you. Focus on your eyes. Your eyes will be open. Don't focus on him. Well, you know, since that saying, it is. We, we do. We, we live in a self-serve society, don't we? You, you go to the place where you can serve your own drinks. And you can, you know, keep getting. You go to the self-serve ice cream. We, go to, we want this and that. It's, it's a self-type of environment that we're in. 
Take your eyes off of God and put your eyes on you. What you want to do. How you want to do it. So in fact, it, go, it goes on. I, I read in Romans chapter 1, verse 25. In fact, let me, uh, I'm going to read up. I'm going to fire like a machine gun scriptures today real quick. So write them down or, or catch them up. I just want to go through them because there's so many of them. But Romans 1.25, the apostle Paul writes this. He said, who exchanged the truth of God for a lie. Exchanged the truth for a lie. And worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Well, we probably all know that, right? Get your eyes off of God. Get your eyes on you. Get your eyes on you. Well, worship does the exact opposite. It takes our eyes off of us, the end of everything, and puts our eyes back on to him where they should be. You know, uh, the earliest part of worship we see in Genesis chapter 4, even though maybe Abel really didn't know everything he was doing, he still offered the Lord a burnt sacrifice. Uh, we don't see a, it as a command there, but we know what Cain did. Cain brought his vegetables, right? That sounds good, grilled vegetables. God should like grilled vegetables. Uh, but no, he didn't, he didn't respect Cain's offering. He respected Abel's offering. Or as you read over and over and over again in the Old Testament, that sweet, smelling aroma to God. He accepted his uh, offering. In Genesis chapter 8, verse 20, after um, Noah and the family and the animals all leave the ark, one of the very first things we read is this, that Noah builds an altar for the Lord to offer a burnt sacrifice, right? Uh, a sign of worship to the Lord, a sign of, hey, we're starting all over again, fresh, coming to you, worshiping you. We want to keep our eyes back on you. But did it stay that way in Genesis? Did all of those kids grow up and they kept their eyes on the Lord? No. In fact, here's what we read happens in Genesis chapter 11, verse 4. It's the Tower of Babel, right? So here's what, here's what this one verse reads. And they said, come... Let us build for ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. Here we're back on again. And you read this word. You know, in the beginning of Genesis, you'll read the word, um, let us make man in our image. It's the Hebrew word Elohim. God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's what we get. Elohim. All of a sudden, men's words become the same as God's words. Let us. Let us build a tower. Let us make a name for ourselves. It's getting eyes and posture off of God and coming back on, on themselves. Well, we know this. God confuses their languages. But he mentions that he understands the power when they put their mind to something they would be able to accomplish it. See, Satan said the same thing in Isaiah 14. I will ascend to the heavens. I will be like the most high God. There's the I, 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 I's, right? I, I, I. It's that same thing that has gotten into the hearts, into that nature, that sinful nature of man. Take your eyes off of your father and put your eyes on yourself. 
look what you can do. Look what you can do. We worship, in fact, we, we sang it today. We worship him for who he is. And we worship him for what he's done in our lives. That's why we worship. We worship him for who he is. And we worship him for what he's done uh, in our lives. Quickly, Abraham in Genesis 12 has no background in faith in the Lord. Understanding of God. In fact, if you go back a little bit into his background, his father worshipped idols and other gods specifically the sun, moon, and the stars. It mentions on the other side of the river. So his background growing up is probably watching his parents and family worship other gods. Yet when God speaks to him in Genesis 12 to get out, the get outs, right? Get out of your country, get out from... One of the very first things he does when he encounters the Lord is he builds an altar. When he's disobedient and goes to Egypt because there's a famine, it starts the whole story of, you know, this really isn't my wife, this is my sister, you know, that whole story. And he lies about it. Thankfully, God gets him out. And as he travels back, the Bible says he passes the altar again. And there he worshiped the Lord. He's back on track. We read again where when he would encounter God, he would build something physical to mark the encounter that he had with the Lord. And then the last altar that's recorded in Scripture is the altar that he built for his son Isaac that God said to take your son, your only son, and to sacrifice him. And he did everything up to the point that he needed to until the Lord provided a ram, an altar, a place of worship. In fact, we don't have those. We're not selling altars after service today. You know, you can purchase yours on the way out to set up in your backyard or in your home or your office. Uh, we have one that can hang from your rearview mirror. You know, it swings. And No, the altar today is in our hearts. Right? That's the place that we start. That's the spirit. When Jesus said spirit, the altar today starts in our hearts. Where we worship the Lord. Where we direct and we look, look to him. And our hearts express that worship through these bodies. Right? They express it through the body. Now... I'm not a concert person. Somebody gave me concert tickets, I'd probably be busy, right? Some people, how many of you love concerts? I mean, come on, you're like, all right. Now, worship concerts and things I go to, I'm just not into the other type of, some people love concerts. They just can't wait for the next concert. And you know what they do at concerts? They clap, don't they? They raise their hands, right? They shout, they sing, they dance. I don't know if I've ever seen them bow, but they probably do somewhere. They do all of those different types of things. So I always try to figure, um, if you watched the game last week and you were kind of into it, at one point you probably screamed or yelled or shouted at something or somebody, right? Something came out. Well, we've been designed to be expressive like that, but sometimes it just happens that in our worship we go mute, right? Silence is golden. Right. I'm to be seen and not heard. I don't want to clap too loud. Isn't it interesting? We had known a young girl that um, would travel to find a certain band and she would stalk them. Uh, she needed deliverance. Uh, she would find out what hotels they were staying, where they ate. It was really creepy, right? Just being, you know, kind of gets over there the creepy thing. But people do those things. But we, we're talking about getting our eyes off of 
us getting them on him, worshiping the Lord in spirit and his truth. And that's what Jesus says. Change your focus and your actions on the Lord. John 4.23. But the hour is coming and now is when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship. In fact, I wrote this down. God is the center of everything that exists. He's the center. Worship doesn't begin with me. It begins and it ends with God. It's not about me. It's about him. My worship is about him. So I want you to get a quick picture in Revelations chapter 4 verse 8. Uh, of God right now and what's taking place in heaven in this one scripture and it says this the four living creatures each having six wings were full of eyes around and within and they do not rest day or night saying holy 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 Lord God almighty who was and is and is to come read that last part with me ready Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. They do that for five minutes and they stop. Now, what does it say? Day and night. Well, we, here we know John's picturing uh, in Revelation the heavens. We know there's no night. This is what we would understand as 24-7. Now, we had a gentleman at my church years ago, and I, I listened to this tip that he gave. Every night, he would play on his headphones uh, the Bible CD and he would listen as he slept to the word of God. And I loved that idea. And I tried that and I was up all night long. And I was so tired the next day and I thought, I'm going to give it one more night. I put it on the Bible going, I couldn't sleep either. I, I, it took my sleep from me. I was grumpy and angry the next day and I was trying to do the right things. And I thought, here God has a odd created being that would freak out any kid right but what does it say holy 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 is the lord god almighty who was and is and is to come that's the worship part see he's the center of everything but here's the thing a a a created being like this uh, as we know, even with it, the, the choice or something is created to do so, we have a choice to do it or not. It's our choice, and he's given it to us whether we do or don't. But Jesus says this, now's the time. Worship him in spirit and in truth. That's what the Father's seeking. He's seeking those that worship him. You know, and I, and I look at he says, true worshipers. In fact, the part of that Greek word, it's the opposite of what is fictitious counterfeit or counterfeit imagery simulated or pretended true worshipers aren't fake it's not counterfeit i'm not trying to keep up or or i'm gonna out shout sister michelle sunday right no that's not that's not worship i'm gonna out clap somebody and remember this if our only time that we worship as individuals is on a sunday morning oh that's not the worship the Father's seeking, right? Our worship is throughout the day. In fact, I pray when you got up this morning, it was you were thanking God for a new day. 
thanking God for breath for a new day. He wants to be worshipped. I was reading, I won't tell you the article because I don't want you to look it up because it's a Christian satire and they make comments. And the headline of this was, the Holy Spirit was unable to move through the congregation because the fog machine broke. (laughs) And it was a joke. It was one of those satire type joke things. You know, I'm always grateful for environments and lights and things that can do that. But what the Lord is looking for is this spirit part of me to worship him regardless of what lights or fogs or lights on, lights off. It's the spirit that he's looking to worship. It's not the environment. If all we had was one keyboard player and they really couldn't play good. Uh, we should be able to worship the Lord regardless because it comes out of our spirit. Thank God we have people that have a heart to do it, but it's got to come from our spirit. It's that spirit and in truth. And what's interesting as he says that the truth was what Jesus says sets us free. It's the word of God. It's what sets us free. But I want to look at this because this is a great example. You know, I, I would almost say, God's worship leader back in the Bible was David. Right? That, would, that, would probably be, that was probably God's worship leader. But look what David does in 1 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 4. Now, we remember the Ark of the Covenant. And we remember the power of the Ark of the Covenant. We remembered if you touched the Ark of the Covenant, what happened to you? You died. They had men that would carry it on poles. It would go before the children of Israel Uh, It was the presence of God in that Ark of the Covenant. Now listen to what David did uh, in 1 Chronicles 6.14. David appointed some of the Levites to serve before the Ark of the Lord. They had the job of leading worship and giving thanks and praising the Lord, the God of Israel. The presence of God in the Ark of the Covenant needs no introduction. It needs no worship leaders heading before it. The presence of God is enough on its own. But here's what David set up. No, I want want people to go before that are what? That are leading worship and are giving thanks and are praising as God comes into an area. Here's how powerful that ark was. The Philistines captured it. In fact, you can read later in 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel... It was known that whoever possessed that ark had the very power of God. But here's David's heart. Before God, I'm going to send out worshipers, people that are singing unto him, that it's all unto him. Very powerful as we read those things. And I think it's expressed in Psalm 22.3 where he writes this, But you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. You are wholly enthroned in the praises of Israel. I like what the New Century Version says. It says this, you sit as the Holy One. The praises of Israel are your throne. You sit as the Holy One. The praises of Israel are your throne. You know what makes the throne of God powerful is when we praise and when we worship him. And we don't have time to do it, but you can, do, you can even get a Bible gateway and do a search on a sweet aroma. And you'll find all of the sacrifices in the Old Testament when presented to the Lord. It was this, it was a sweet aroma to God. It's like you being in the backyard and you got leftovers for dinner and your neighbor's barbecuing a steak. Right? 
And you, oh, if they'd only invite me over for dinner tonight. Because in your nose, it becomes that sweet aroma. That worship to him is a sweet aroma. But the Bible's clear that worship isn't about us. It's about God. And his word instructs us how to worship. In fact, I want to read a few of these today and we'll kind of go through them kind of kind of quick and there's more that I have here's ways that we express our worship to God speaking Psalm 34 verse 1 I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth shouting right that's not what the kids do in your house right no that's that, that doesn't count as worship to the Lord Psalm 66 1 make a joyful shout to the Lord all the earth Singing, Psalm 47, 6. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our king. Sing praises. Could he put another sing praises in there so that we get it, right? Sing praises to him. Bowing, Psalm 95, verse 6. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before our maker. Standing, Psalm 119, verse 20 says, My flesh trembles in the fear of you, and I stand in awe of your laws. Dancing, I'm going to give you an illustration, I'm not. All right, dancing, Psalm 149, 3. Let them praise his name with the dance. Let them sing praises to him with the timbrel and a harp. Let them praise him with the dance. I had somebody one time tell me, well, if I dance in church, you'll stop me, won't you? Well, only if it's not of the Lord. Well, how would you know? Oh, I'll know, right? You'll have some, you'd have something, right? Because the dance doesn't draw attention to you. The dance was given. You know, David danced before the Lord, and his wife hated it, right? And he says, you haven't, if you didn't like that, you haven't seen anything yet, right? Haven't seen anything yet. Playing instruments. Psalm 33, 2 and 3, praise the Lord with the harp. Make melody to him with an instrument of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. Clapping. Psalm 47.1. Oh, clap your hands, all you people. Shout to God with the voice of triumph. Do we clap only to try to wake you up, right? Let's get the blood flowing through the heart. Finally, I can feel my hands. No, why do we do it? Scripture, right, says that. Shout to God with that voice of triumph. Lifting hands. Psalm 63, 4. Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands to your name. Psalm 134, 2. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. You know, I think we could probably take any clip out of any secular concert and mute the sound and mute the stage and we would think that we might be watching a worship conference until we turned the music on and heard maybe some of the things coming out and seeing all of these things being expressed. But it's not for the heart to connect with the truth, to connect to God. It's for the heart to connect with itself. You know, several years ago, at one of the churches I was on staff on, I remember I kept seeing this guy in the foyer uh, during service. But I didn't know if he had been at an earlier service and he was having his coffee before he was leaving. And probably a good month or five weeks or so, I went up and there was a table like this and he was having coffee and I went and said hello. And 
And I said, are you leaving now? No, he says, oh, no, no, I'm just waiting for worship to end. Oh, okay, do you have a seat? Yeah, I just, I'm not really into worship. And so I I just wait until the pastor's time to speak. And um, that's what he did, right? He would, he would, he waited and he'd go in. Then I remember he'd leave early. So I remember I caught him one day and I said, oh, you you have an appointment? No, I always leave early. Oh, why do you always leave early? I want to get out of here before all the cars leave. I don't want to get stuck in traffic. You know, on Sunday, I want to get out. And I thought, oh, man, this guy's got issues, right? Doesn't want to worship. Wants to leave when he wants to leave. You know what happens sometimes in, in worship that I think sometimes we forget about? Coming before, the, coming before the Lord in worship allows for him to connect with us as as much as we're connecting with him. It doesn't matter what you sing. You could be singing kumbaya. And have an encounter with God. But it's that part of coming so that you can be in his presence. Reflect. Turn your eyes. Right? I like to Come to the end of yourself. Turn to him in the singing. Because it's about him and me connecting together. That's what worship's about. Right? That's what it's about. And you know the other one that I think sometimes that we have trouble with in our society. Is sometimes we have trouble being alone. We like to always have something going on or being with people. And part of that in worship is sometimes you're kind of alone and you're worshiping the Lord. There's nothing wrong with that at all because it's your time centering everything back to the Lord. In fact, let me uh, read this last uh, verse here. Revelations chapter 7. Revelation chapter 7. Gives us another picture of the worship in heaven, Revelation 7, verse 9. And it says this, After these things I looked, John says, and behold a great multitude which no one could number of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice saying, Salvation! belongs to our God who sits on the throne and unto the Lamb. Notice that. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and unto the Lamb. All of the angels stood around the throne and the elders and the four living creatures and fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. And to think that Jesus would tell this lady, now is the time that you'll worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Well, we just read all these scriptures, how to worship him, right? How, how, how to truthfully worship. His word is true. Worship him in spirit and in truth. Don't let your worship happen on Sunday at 10 o'clock. Your worship can happen anywhere. Let it be something as you come before the Lord with that relationship to connect with him. Because it always, worshiping helps always to get my eyes off of me and get it back on him in the first place. Bow your heads if you would this morning. Lord, we thank you for Jesus' words, true worshipers. 
Lord, we all have that heart to be true worshipers of you in spirit and in truth. And that worship is the connection and part of that living water. You'll never thirst again, as Jesus said. You'll never thirst again. Father, put it on our heart and help us, help us flush out sometimes the way that we think about it, that we come to you daily, weekly, and we'll just worship you, just thank you for who you are and for what you've done and for what you're going to do in our lives. As David would assemble worshipers before the presence of God, Lord, let that be our example. Let us be worshipers in our job place of work. Let us be worshipers in our school. Let us prepare the way for the Lord. And Lord, we thank you for that today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen.